You are listening. You are listening. You are listening to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. You know, I want to tie bass flies and I want to tie pike flies and carp flies and, you know, all different flies. So I'm always checking out different people's, you know, social media to see what they're tying. And, and I save a lot of their photos. Yeah, so. oh, me too. Yeah. My phone, my phone, <laughs> my memory is just, it's, <laughs> it's getting bogged down with pictures of flies for sure. Yeah, me too. Yeah, me I, too. I, I, I just, I, I screenshot anything that kind of looks a little different. I go, whoa, that's kind of cool. Boom. <laughs> yeah. And in, then in I, the folder it goes. The first one we started fishing really consistently in a lake was this, my silver on silver. And, um, and I think they take it for an emerging chromie or whatever like that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I'd, I'd have days on the lake where I wasn't catching nothing. And I throw that fly out and at least catch one or two fish, you know. So I gained some confidence in a soft tackle that way. And, that's, and then the olive one came and that one, you know, that one's phenomenal. And, you know, over that, I developed this bikini one, which worked, you know, the last few years, it's been working pretty good and, and other patterns too. So, yeah. And I think, and then I have a new one too, in the new Semperfly catalog, which is online and has over 400 fly patterns from around the world in it and recipes and videos and everything else. It's available at Semperfly.net. And a couple of my patterns are in there, including my new one called the Encore, which is a, it's like a caddis emerger. So it's got the dirty bug yarn in it. It's got the soft tackle. It's got the kapok dubbing and the thorax. So it, and it's on a clink hammer hook. So it kind of sits upright in the surface film. Nice. And it's got some uh, crystal flash coming out the back to be the trailing shock. So we're going to take you out to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. We've got Deb Pascal on the line. Now, Deb is a protein tire with Semperfly fly tying materials. We'll talk all things Semperfly. We'll talk about Deb's pattern number nine, soft hackles, and much more. First off, I want to thank uh, the folks for listening in the following cities this week. Cedar Knowles, Virginia, Vancouver, BC, Victoria, British Columbia, Buffalo, New York, Chicago, Illinois, Thanks, folks, for listening in St. James, Florida, Brainerd, Minnesota, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, and Chincoteague Island, Virginia. Welcome to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast, featuring interviews with passionate people within the fly fishing industry. We focus on guides, conservation, resort managers, gear, and talented fly tires bringing usable information to fly fishers. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by... The Fly Crate. Theflycrate.com is your source for all things fly fishing. The Fly Crate offers a monthly fly club. We select patterns every month for your home waters. With membership, you'll receive flies created to match the hatch in your area, along with the Fly Crate's guide magazine, the convenience of having flies delivered right to your door, some sweet stickers. Discover new patterns and start stocking your fly boxes now. Theflycrate.com. Here's your host, Mark Hopley. Welcome to this edition of the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Really happy you chose to join us this time around. And we're going to take you out to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. We've got Deb Pascal on the line. Now, Deb is a, well, she's a great fly tire. She's with Semperfly, Fly Fishing Materials Pro Team, Avid Tire, Avid Fly Fisher. Deb, thanks so much for coming on the podcast tonight. Thanks for having me, Mark. Yeah, well, so I've been checking out a lot of your patterns, and I, I believe you, me, between uh, you know Instagram and Facebook, I see a lot of your, I see a, I see a lot of soft hackle patterns. That seems to be maybe something that you do. Is that something, Deb, that you do a lot of the soft hackle? 
Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't say I specialize in them or anything, but yeah, um, I fish them a lot, so I tie them a lot. Yeah. And um, and I had the opportunity to tie them at the BC Sportsman Show this year, actually. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, that was really cool in front of an audience. And, and I tied them for the Osprey Fly Fishers recently as well on a Zoom meeting, so... Well, we'll yeah. get we'll get into Soft all tackles your, and wet flies. I like them the best. We'll get into all your patterns and kind of how you make some of them and and whip some of them off the uh, off the vice. But first off, I always like to take the show back to your roots and kind of figure out how you came to discover fly fishing, where the journey started for you. Um, well, I grew up fishing. Um, my parents own a marina in Seashelt, uh, up on the Sunshine Coast. So. I grew up on the beach around fishermen my whole life, and my dad also fished, and he lived up in Hundred Mile. Even though I didn't fish with him, he always, you know, he always enjoyed it or whatever. And um, when I was so, I, I grew up like mooching for salmon, basically, and you know, fishing off the dock and stuff for coarse fish and stuff. And then um, when I, I think it was like 28 or so, I think it was 1996 or seven, that I went to the um, I went to the BC Sportsman Show. And discovered fly fishing there. Actually, I didn't even know what it was. <laughs> Saw the waders and the and the the U boat, the belly boat, and I bought a fly rod and a reel like right there before I ever knew what it was. And and I I was in the water ne- the next week and haven't looked back since. So <laughs> <laughs> that sounds that sounds like a familiar story. It's it's an all in yeah. kind of mentality, isn't it? Yeah, it was. You know, I didn't know what I was doing. I trolled around a dry fly for about two years, but you know, I caught a bunch of fish and stuff. But you was, know what? That fun. works on some lakes that I frequent. If you can troll like a like a dry caddis, that works. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Not that I do yeah. that a lot anymore, but it definitely. We'll get... I always remember it was a March Brown because because I took a little fly fishing course in Nanaimo, okay. and um, and the guy I think that was his favorite fly. He kept talking about the March Brown. It was like the only fly besides the woolly bugger that I remembered for my course. So every time I went into a fly shop, I tried to look real cool. And, Do you have any March Browns? Because it was the only fly I knew. <laughs> well, that's that's <laughs> an got old lots school. Of fish on it. That's yeah, an old yeah. school one for sure. So yeah. so Deb, if you had to look back at kind of your journey thus far. And, and where it's taken you. How, if you had to look to some people that have influenced you along the way, is there some people that you would kind of say you kind of drew from? Oh, there's so many people, so, like too many to list almost. Um, mm-hmm. Starting with my husband, he's an incredible fisherman. Uh, he, he's the kind of guy who can catch fish in a mud puddle. <laughs> so, you know, and he gear fished and, you know, he fly fished in lakes and stuff, not so much in rivers. We sort of learned that together. Uh, for the most part, mm-hmm. um, you know, we spent a couple of years learning the cutthroat system of the Fraser Valley and stuff before we even caught a cutthroat out here. So, <laughs> you know, just searching around for them was hard enough at the beginning. And, um, you know, him and then I was really fortunate uh, through uh, some of the fishing forums to meet a lot of great people, including um, Wayne Yoshizawa, who competed in the nationals in I think I always say 2005. I think it was 2005 or 2003 over in Campbell River, and they won gold. And he was a member of, like, Toto Ishii was on his team and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he knew a lot, a lot of stuff about fly fishing, rivers and lakes. And then, you know, through Wayne, I met more people and had the opportunity to compete at the Trojan Pond Tournament for many years, um, which hasn't been on in two years. But with, like, so many incredible fishermen, it's crazy. And then 
my husband also competed um, in the nationals for I think three or four years in a row and I spared as well for team Mustang went out in Fernie even though I didn't get the opportunity to fish um, I still pre-fished all the venues and hung around all the guys and got to tie flies for you know the venues and stuff like that Mm. so I learned a lot that way and um, and then my hubby's best friend John Wilkinson he's a crazy fisherman too and one of my best friends, Colette Stroud, she's a comp- competitor and yeah. she's fished her whole life. So I've just learned just by being around so many good friends that know, know much more than me. <laughs> well, that's, and know. that's what it's all about, right? When you surround yeah. your, yourself with people that, that are vested and are really uh, kind of deep into it, it's hard not to, to take it in like a sponge. And it, I'm just judging by your, your, your time, your patterns, I mean, uh, they're, they're quite amazing. If, if somebody wants Thanks. to check out your fly patterns, where's the best place to, to do that? Is, is Instagram? I would say, of... yeah, Instagram is where they're yeah. all mostly posted. Yeah. Cool. I put, put the odd one up. I put most of them up on Facebook too, but yeah, yeah, Instagram, they're out there. I put them on Twitter as well sometimes. So I want to yeah. take a few minutes to get to know you in and around uh, your home in Vancouver. You ready for a few random questions before we get into sure. the fly pattern? Okay. Sure. Um, let's talk tunes. So when you are on your way to chase cutties or whatever you're doing um, in and around your home waters, what, what's playing on the stereo? Uh, if I'm by myself, uh, which I am quite a bit, I fish a couple times a week and you know, on the weekend, usually with other people, but um, always country music, always Canadian country music. Usually, <laughs> I've got my I've got my favorites: Dean Brody, Terry Clark, Gord Bamford, and they're always. I I have I don't watch much TV. I just listen to music all day long. So it's usually country because I get I get the the metal and all that other stuff when the husband's in the truck. So, <laughs> <laughs> and I don't mind. I love all kinds of music. Sometimes I'll just you know put the Beatles on or whatever, you know, I like any, anything really, but mostly country. You can't go wrong with Dean Brody. No, never. All those fishing songs. Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) One go-to fly pattern. So if you had to, don't say March Brown, if you had to pick one, if you had to pick, no, I'm just kidding. If you had to pick one pattern uh, that you kind of reach for. Like a go-to? Yeah. More often than not, say you're chasing, um, cutthroat in, in some of the backwaters. What, What would you be reaching for? Um, the number nine pattern, if it was cutthroat, yeah, yeah that I tie, yeah. yeah, yeah, we'll we'll talk about that one for sure. That's on yeah. my that's on my list to talk to you about. So, um, favorite place to talk fly fishing, Deb? Is there a you know a fly shop in in your <laughs> neck of the woods? Is there a coffee shop, a pub? Is there somewhere you go to get your fix when you're not fishing? Yeah, I hang out at all the fly shops, and they all know me. <laughs> I was just saying the other day, I'm like Norm from Cheers when I walk in the fly shop now. Like, Deb! <laughs> dollar signs in their eyes. Yeah, I know you can get a lot of intel from the fly shops, actually, and there's a lot of good people that hang out there and work there and shop there. And I, you know, I'm no, I, I talk to the customers. I talk to everybody. Cool. You know, so, Yeah generally fly shops. I don't go for coffee much or anything like that. You see either fishing or dying flies. So. But are you a sports fan? Are we talking? Huge Canuck, hockey fan. Huge Canucks, hockey fan. Lions, Canucks all okay. the way. There we go. Yeah. 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 What, what do you think about their, their run last year? They looked all right. I think I thought it looked pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're on our way. We're on yeah. our way to the cup. Yeah. yeah. So. Got to stay positive. So. <laughs> Biggest biggest lesson you've learned on your fly fishing journey. If you had to distill down kind of what what fly fishing brings to your day to day, could you verbalize that? What like what do you mean exactly? What I mean is like what is what does fly fishing bring? What do you get out of it? Oh what oh 
that's easy. Um, well, I enjoy it for one, but it also just brings me a lot of like stress relief and like, yeah. That's why I like to go out by myself. I'm a real, I like to camp by myself. I like to fish by myself. I don't mind that at all. And for me, it just brings me a lot of peace and, hmm. you know, I, I get it. Even if I'm out on, like I, I fish Mill Lake a lot out in Abbotsford. It's right in the middle of the city. But when you get out on the lake, you can't really even see the city. You can't hear the city. It's the same with the Fraser River. If I'm out on the boat, sturgeon fishing or whatever, I can't hear Vancouver. I, all I see is the water, hmm. and, you know, and the boat and stuff. And just... Yeah, just a lot of peace and joy. <laughs> yeah. I enjoy fishing a lot, so, yeah. That's well put. Yeah. Fill in the blank for me, Deb. When I'm not fishing, I'm usually doing what? Uh, cooking. <laughs> <laughs> cooking, camping. I like camping. Yeah. Uh, swimming. That's about it. Good stuff. Yeah. Best job. And tying flies. Best job you've ever had. Are you doing it now, or is it something you've done in the past? Uh, no, uh, my job now is to fish and tie flies. I, um, uh, I worked enough. <laughs> um, I would say the best and, and it wasn't the most glamorous job in the world, but I was a corrections officer for you know, close to 14 years. And yeah. the the one prison I worked in, the prison for women was really a incredible experience and place that I, you know, place to work with the people I worked with and, huh. and the people I, you know, mentored there a little bit <laughs> yeah. I did some teaching and you know stuff like that I really enjoyed that experience yeah and I, I was sorry when I had to leave did you do any fly tying in there no I did no fly tying there no <laughs> no I didn't even <laughs> I yeah. you're, you're showing people how to tie some flies you never know no we don't want to give them hooks yeah good point <laughs> they're too yeah. sharp <laughs> yeah that's a good point definitely barbless definitely yeah yeah so let's let's no, go let's let's get into your into your time. So talk to me about first off, how soon after you got into fly fishing did you discover fly tying? Was it kind of a hand in hand thing, or was that something that came a little later? Oh, a little bit later. It's kind of a funny story. Um, so I started fly fishing in about I think ninety six or ninety seven, and then I met uh, Randy in two thousand three, and it was that I met him I think in September, and that Christmas in December. My ex-husband actually went, he used to go to auctions all the time, and he went to an auction and he found, and I still have it to this day, it's like a wooden fly tying box that somebody actually made, it has name in it, and it was filled with materials and a vice and everything, and Randy tied flies a little bit, but I never thought I could ever do anything like that, like, I can't draw, I'm not creative, I'm not not artistic or anything, and I never thought of myself that way at all. And so when I got this kit, I was like, are you kidding me? But then and he's like, well, I've got this beginner book, you know, by Skip Morris and Brian Chan or whatever. And, you know, read this and I'll show you a couple of things. And, you know, I eventually caught on. I started going to fly tying nights around the city and there's several around Vancouver and stuff. And we ran one out in Ladner for a little while with Wayne Yoshizawa. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was it was kind of funny that with my ex-husband of all people got me into the the fly tying because I don't think I don't know if I would have picked it up otherwise like at, when I did at the time right so yeah it, and then I didn't tie for several years you know very many patterns I just tied basically what I needed to get out on the water so because I was too busy well and time. I think that's how a lot of people you know you start tying something that you know is going to get you into fish but once you get that bug it's it's pretty yeah. addictive are, are you the really type of, are you the type of person that can sit down and tie like a dozen of something not even blink or do you kind of no jump around 
<laughs> I jump around. Yeah. yeah. I have a hard time. I had to tie somebody three dozen flies uh, this last year. Uh, they were all the same pattern and it literally took me a month. Like I just, I can't sit and tie <laughs> the same pattern over and over, but I have learned, you know, if I'm going to sit and I'm going to learn a pattern, I'm going to tie a dozen of them and I'm going to make sure before I put it out in the public or anything that, that I've tied it, you know, to my satisfaction, not just the first one that I tie goes out there anymore. So Funny, yeah. funny you said that. I, one of the things I often ask myself is when I see somebody post a pattern, have they ever fished it or is it a one-off? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do that once in a while. Like if I tie a steelhead fly or something that I wouldn't normally fish, I've tied pike flies and I've never fished for pike, but I tied somebody a whole box of pike flies and sent them out to Alberta. And, you know, I like to learn new things. Like I'm going to be starting to tie bass flies in the next year because hmm. I want to go bass fishing in the States. And, you know, yeah, I don't know. I, I like to, I like to learn, but, but most of the flies that I have on, you know, that I have displayed are ones that I've definitely fished, Yeah. you know, other than the odd one off here and there. Deb, talk yeah. to me about your, your fly tying setup. So, you know, as somebody that ties a lot, what do you like to tie on? Uh, first off, what kind of vice are you using? I have a Renzetti Traveler that yeah. I just got last year. Yeah, it's really nice. Yeah. yeah. I got the same. I love it. Um, yeah, it's great and portable because I go to fly tying nights when it's not COVID and stuff. So right. it's easy to pack around with me. Yeah. Um, I know you're obviously part of the Semperfly um, pro team. Talk to me about Semperfly yeah. products and, and some of the, I know the, the Nano Silk, you're. Uh, I, I keep hearing about it. It keeps coming up on the show. I still haven't tried it. I'm going to try it. Uh, what's so Mark, good? What's, try it. what's so good about it? I'll tell you, it's the thinnest and strongest thread on the market and it flattens out. So you can easily split it to, you know, make a, a dubbing loop or anything like that. And it's, um, it's, I like, honestly, like I tie a lot of little, like little soft tackles. And I've been, one of the biggest things I learned with nano silk is I've been, tr- I've been tying these uh, wing, like traditional winged wet flies, like a lead wing coachman, Royal coachman wet and stuff. And I'm doing them for a special project for um, Jay Spencer, who owns fly grain down in Oregon. Mm-hmm. And he's putting them in resin in a net. So it's, they have to be really nice. Right. Wow. And it took me months to learn how to set that wing. Right. Like, I don't care how many Davy McPhail videos I watched. I still couldn't do it. I was just like, I can't do this. And then I got nano silk and then it started to come together for me because I was, the heads weren't so big and bulbous anymore. Mm. And same with my nymphs and stuff like that. And you, I can put a lot more pressure on the thread without breaking it and, and use a, a thinner thread. Like I generally use, you know, 18 odd, they even have 24 odd now. So it's wow. really thin. Yeah. So if you're tying size twenties or whatever, yeah, it's, it's great thread. I really like it. It's not their only thread. They have classic wax thread and they have an iridescent thread and a spider thread. So they have all kinds of threads too, that I'm still getting to know, but yeah, was, nanosilks definitely changed my tying game. I, I'm definitely going to check it out. I, I always find it interesting, though. Like, for me, a really good fly pattern or a good tire, you can usually tell by the head. I always, do you know what I yeah. mean? Like, if you, if it's got a bulky, kind of uh, messy-looking head and it looks like yeah. you can barely whip finish it before the thread starts falling off the eye of the hook. <laughs> it's like, I know, you know, I know. And, and we that's all the thing that drives that. me nuts, too, about tying. Like, if, if my head's not, and, and I, I, don't, I don't get my head's perfect like some people do, I'm telling you. I, I look, I'll get the macro photo going, and then I look at the head and go, oh, no, Deb. But part of my problem is I, I'm waiting for Santa to bring me a magnifier because I can't see very good. I can't use... Re- 
uh, regular reading glasses. Okay. They just don't work with my eyes. So I'm really trying to manage, like, I can't see anything smaller than a size eight streamer right now. Okay. <laughs> and I'm tying like little 14s, you know, trying to get the heads perfect. So yeah. hopefully I'll get that magnifier. And then, yeah, I know what you mean though. Yeah. yeah it's just... I always look, I always look for the neat head too. What talk to me about tying tools? So as far as your bobbin, have you got a, a style of bobbin that's your go-to, or is there a brand you prefer? I really like the Raids app bobbin. They uh, they were kind enough to send me their bobbin to try out, and I have to say, uh, I've tried a couple of different bobbins, and I like that one the best. Um, the only problem is with Nano Silk, you can't. It's a GSP thread, so you can't use your good scissors with it. You mm. sort of have to saw it and not chop it. Because it will dull your scissors. And I know because I've told like a couple pairs. Right. And, and it also actually, the, I was tying flies the other day and I kept breaking my thread. And I, I was on a Zoom meeting with a fly tying night. And I kept saying to the guys, oh, my thread keeps breaking. I don't know. And it's nano silk. I don't know what's going on. And it turned out I had actually damaged my bobbin with the nano, nano silk. So <laughs> ceramic, yeah, ceramic bobbins only with that stuff. Okay. So now I have a, a just a cheap ceramic bobbin that I've been using with that. But I prefer the Raid Zap if I'm using like the classic classic wax thread or something else for sure. It's a nice bobbin to hold and everything. Whip finish by hand or with the tool? Uh, both. I'm not good at the whip finish by hand because because uh, I always fish. I always have like chapped hands and like little, yeah. you know, little cuts on my hands and the yeah. thread gets stuck in them and it drives me crazy. So I generally use a tool for the most part. When I talk to somebody that, you know, has designed patterns and come up with successful patterns. And like, so let's talk about your number nine. How did you come up with this fly pattern that works so well on cutties? And is, it's a really well-known pattern. And everybody I talked to that's used it loves it. How did you, oh, thanks. how did you develop that pattern and, and walk us kind of through, through that <sighs> process of, of creating it? I, well, I gotta be honest. It was actually my husband that designed that pattern originally. Okay. So he, both him and I have come up with a number of different cutthroat patterns and um, I can't even remember. Somehow we figured out that that pink color in the tail was really effective. Like I fish the Harrison River a lot and pink's a really effective color for cutties out there. And then I have another fly that's sort of like the number nine, but it's bright pink marabou tail and it's got a pink collar on it. And I've used that in like the Sunshine Coast off the beaches of the Sunshine Coast to catch cutties off the creek mouths and stuff like that. Like pink's a really good color. And Randy says he thinks it it's like a, it's almost like a minnow with maybe a little piece of flesh in their mouth or something what they're taking it for like hmm. sort of like a like a fleshy pinky color the tail sure. and then this the silver and the gold body is just um, we've had another a, a couple other patterns in the past we've used with that same color of either silver or gold body and that's just mixed together it's got the gold chenille and it's got sort of a a pearl crystal chenille over top which almost gives the appearance of a silver so. Yeah, just sort of minnow-like, but flesh-like as well. What? But, it, you know, you think it would only work in the fall. It works all year round. Right. And it, and it works in in uh, lakes for rainbows and stuff too. So oh, it's not just, not just cutties. It works on, cut, on uh, coho as well, really well. Hmm. So. What type of um, hook are you tying that on? What what brand? Just a size 10 streamer. Um, okay. I prefer hens. prefer hens. Okay. They're the, one of the strongest hooks for sure. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Um, what are you tying at the bench these days? Are you doing, I mean, I saw you were doing something on uh, Stillwaters the other night. Are you doing a lot of, um, you know, the patterns you're tying, are you doing a lot of bait fish patterns right now? Or are you mostly doing soft hackles? What are you working on these days? 
Well, I'm doing a couple of boxes of flies for um, somebody in Ontario. So that's fishing for like trout and steelhead and stuff like that. Um, I'm working on starting to work on flies for brown trout for the Cowichan River, which I'm going to be fishing next year with Nice Fish with Gary Cooper. And then I'm going out to fish for walleye with uh, sport fishing on the fly sometime next year. My train's going off. Sorry, yeah, I'll try to okay. It's all good. Um, I, um, so I'm going out there, and they've been using the number nine as well as one of my chartreuse patterns. It's very similar to it to catch walleye with. So I'm going to go out there and fish for some walleye. So I'm trying to get those boxes together, and and um, as well as uh, working on some nymphs for the spring. And then I'm taking a the Coronament Mastery course with Jordan Ulrich and Phil Rowley, mm-hmm. or Jordan Ulrich in the in the in the new year as well as the trophy trout course with them. And I took the Stillwater Academy course with them. It's very good. Yeah. So I, I don't time any chironomids. I To be honest, I don't fish many chironomids. I, I prefer a sinking line and, yeah. and a bug, <laughs> you know, like a, but you know, I know there's, they have to be fish. They're, they're, they're the most prolific food source in the BC interior. So, you know, I know how to tie them. I just don't tie a whole bunch of them. Right. And I also, I think we bought a box of like 200 of them a couple few years ago. So we've been just working out that box, but now it's getting decimated. It's time to start tying them. <laughs> I'll tell you, I, yeah. uh, I didn't, I, I'll never forget the first time that Kronom has really paid off for me. And I've God, I can't even remember how many years ago it was, but. Where was it? There, uh, you know where, it, actually, you know where it was? It was White Lake. Oh really? Uh, just wow. outside of Salmon Arm, and uh, yeah. I'll never forget it. It was I. I just I couldn't keep the fish off, and it was it was one of those days where you just don't count. And the yeah. hatches changed through the, through the day. It started out I think with like a carrot. They used to call it a carrot. Um, yeah, yeah, like the an carrot. Orange yeah. kind of. Yeah, I remember it. Yeah, yeah. and and yeah. it just it it went to a red. It went to a chartreuse, like those those limeys, and they're just yeah. like a bunch of different patterns. And I was boggled because it wasn't a lake I fished a lot of, but we just yeah. gotten into the chronomet thing, and 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 there's no going well, there's no going back once. You, it's, no, it's I know just, once you hit it like that, yeah. right? And honestly, yeah. that's all I do now. I mean, I'll throw a dragon on once in a while, but I, I oh really? I will fish under an indicator with a chronomet twelve oh, months funny. a year if I can. I just, oh, we're the, the exact opposite. Yeah, exact, yeah. I, I'll fish a caddis any day, or or a gomphus, or yeah, or or a mayfly, even mayfly nymphs, in, in various sizes, from you know fourteen up to eight, even nice. to represent different food sources. I'd rather do that on strip line. I I think it's just I get bored easy sometimes, but I, I don't mind watching the bobber go down if it's working. You know, what are you on. what are you doing for mayfly imitations, Deb? What do you what do you what's your go to when you're fishing? Oh, May? pheasant tail. Pheasant tail, yeah. pheasant tail in different colors, ginger, black, brown, mm. um, olive. And then I fish, you know, hare's ear. I Pretty traditional. Skip nymph has been a really, and the sparkle skip nymph, that's been two good patterns over the years for me. Okay. And as well as the flycraft fullback by Phil Rowley. Yeah. I generally keep my nymphs pretty simple. I just, and halfback is the other one. So time in different sizes. And I just stick with those, you know, those general patterns. Sure. I don't go too far outside them because they, they all work so are you fishing those fairly small sizes those mayflies like when you're tying those up um what, what kind of sizes are you fishing yeah uh, i do tie some 16s i don't tie them generally any smaller than that yeah. uh, right now but yeah 16 and then i tie them all the way up to eight now so i used to only tie them to maybe size uh 12 but i've started going bigger the last couple of years and you know using them as a caddis and stuff like that so dragonfly mm. or whatever yeah 
So we're chatting tonight with Deb Pascal out of Vancouver, BC. Deb is with Semperfly Fly Materials Pro Team. Avid tire created lots of patterns and uh, avid fly fisher. I, I want to get it to know your waters a little bit, Deb. So talk to me about the waters you're fishing. You, you alluded to the fact you're chasing some a lot of salmon and cutthroat. Um, where do you where yes. do you chase these cutties? Is it is it kind of backwaters of the Fraser or walk yeah. us through that? Yeah, uh, mostly the backwaters of the Fraser River, like out towards uh, anywhere from. Uh, say Coquitlam where I'm at all the way out to Agassiz area mm-hmm. and I don't generally go on the other side over by Chilliwack too often or anything like that I, I don't fish the vetter I fish the vetter maybe twice in my life I don't like crowds so I yeah, just don't fish there right and I don't yeah so um and like I know these waters really well too so all these different rivers and backwaters of the Fraser and the Pitt and the Harrison and mm-hmm. you know and, and Harrison Lake and there's all the way up Harrison East and Harrison West. There's more creeks up there. And then, you know, we occasionally get over to the Sunshine Coast and uh, do some fishing over there. It took me like 10 years to find some good cutty spots over there. <laughs> and it's hard because you got to compete with seals these days. There's a lot of seals around. And, right. And yeah, it's, it's, it's been tough the last couple of years for sure trying to find them. What's your go-to setup when you're chasing cutthroat? Um, it depends where I'm fishing. If I'm fishing the ocean and it's windy or something, I'm going to use usually a five, I have a five weight sage that I use with generally, uh, I generally use, say I was fishing the ocean or even the river, mostly a sink tip. Like a, I think it's like a six foot tip on the end of mine yeah. and I have a floating line set up too. And I also have like a, a clear intermediate if I need it. Um, and I have a four weight Winston that I use. When, it, when it's not windy or when I'm in the river or whatever. Right. And then I also nymph, I also nymph the rivers. So if I hit some faster water that's a little more shallow or whatever, I, you know, get out the jigs or get out the nymphs and use my, I have a two weight sage that I use. That's a really sweet rod. I don't get to use enough. So, What's your yeah. favorite species of salmon to target with the fly? Oh, coho for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've caught them all, uh, caught some sockeye one time by chance. Uh, so I have caught them all, but, uh, yeah, coho, they're, they're like rainbows on steroids. They're just crazy. They yeah. jump all over the place and go nuts and, you know, pinks are pretty fun too, actually, but well, I prefer coho. In that, uh, kind of Harrison, Chehalis, Fraser system, are you seeing big northerns in there very often anymore? No. Not, not really. Um, I would say last, I mean, the, the salmon fishing just hasn't been what it has been the last, you know, I would say the last four years, it's been really tough. Like even this year, I didn't get a single coho. I didn't even see one hardly. Hmm. And the chum, there's, there's hardly any chum around we're finding. So like actually last time I was at the Harrison, which was I think last week, um, or a couple of weeks ago, there actually was like a ton of eagles there. Like oh, there's hundreds of eagles. And that was great to see because there was a few carcasses around finally. Like you used to go to the river, the Stave or the Harrison or Alouette or whatever. And, and this like in October, November, December, and all you'd smell is rotting salmon. And it's not like that anymore. The, the salmon aren't there anymore. And so the cutthroat, they don't, they feed on the, on the, the fry, they feed on the flesh and the eggs and everything else. And if that's not there for them, they're not going to stick around either. So, hmm. you know, yeah, we're finding, especially the chum fishery has been really hurt in the last few years and wow. it's affecting the cutthroat fishery heart, like really bad. So I'm like I said to Rani, I'm gonna have to start going elsewhere. Like I've been exploring the Pemberton area and different areas, you know, um, 
around here because mm-hmm. where we're going, there, there just isn't hardly any fish anymore. So I'm curious. One question I like to ask on the show, Deb, is kind of um, crazy fish stories. Have you got anything weird that's happened to you or wonderful in your time on the water? Uh, oh, gosh. So many stories. <laughs> weird. I, I would say my encounters with wildlife are probably the most hilarious things I would say. <laughs> I'm generally phobic of birds. So if they get too close to me, I, like loons, right. I was at Roche Lake one time and I, had, I was in my old U-boat and I had two rods out and I had two fish on. And, uh, and I had not only that, I had 20 foot leaders on each rod for some reason. It was springtime and I was fishing damsels or whatever. So I had these enormously long leaders on two fish and four loons attacked me. <laughs> I was really? so scared. Yeah, I was so scared. I jumped into a stranger's boat right from my belly boat, <laughs> both my tangled up rods. And, and I've been attacked at McConnell twice by loons and like, yeah, it's always, always they, funny. They can be yeah. pretty aggressive, especially once they get it figured oh. out. Oh, they're very aggressive. Eagles too, like uh, Mill Lake. There's an eagle that sits out at Mill Lake in the tree. Anyone who's fished there knows that eagle. And one time I had my back turned to him. Just I think it was just last year, and I was letting a fish go, and he came up right, right over top of me and grabbed that fish, almost right out of my hand. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I, could, I didn't hear him coming at all. He's done yeah. that a time or two. I actually had oh, somebody sure. on the show that told a very similar story on the same lake. Yeah, I always face him now and I'm letting fish go. <laughs> <laughs> It's not always the first thing on your mind to look for an eagle when you're landing a fish, is it? Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Yeah. Take us through your perfect day on the water. So if you could have your dream day your way, whether whether you're chasing cutties or you're in an interior lake or you you tell us, paint us a picture. Where where are you fishing? How are you doing Uh, it? Well. I like I really like uh, stillwater fishing is my thing. I love stillwater fishing the most, and and I love the Kamloops and the hundred mile area. But this past summer, I got to go out to um, travel out to Alberta because I had to have a I had a family thing going on, and um, I ended up going back to Fernie where I've been a few times, and around the Fernie area, there's some lakes there that have some nice ten pound trout in them, and I latched into a one of those and <laughs> all the memories came flooding back of how much I love that place. Mm. And it was just, just a most beautiful day. Like I guess going out on the lake for me and my um, getting a, I think a pontoon boat next year, but I have a fish cat right now. So just going out by myself and in, in my craft and taking my rod and uh, on a nice, you know, fairly warm, but not boiling hot day. <laughs> it's usually good for me. Mm-hmm. And then being able to go back to Fernie and fish in the some of the creeks there in the evening would just be like the perfect day for me. And I, I was able to do that this year. So nice. it was fantastic. Yeah. Well, yeah. you've got and camping. So, so many choices in that area between the elk and, oh man. Uh, I don't even fish the elk. No? Hardly. Yeah, no. Nah. I fish all the creeks and stuff. And oh, there's other okay. rivers, other rivers around there. Yeah, yeah. Other rivers too. Good mm. ones. Yeah. Yeah. Gotta, I mean, I have fished the elk, but not, Yeah, you almost got to drift it to fish it, fish it right. So 100%. I haven't drifted it yet. Yeah. yeah. Um, some nice bull trout out there too. Oh, I know. I, I had a bull trout try and eat a cutthroat. Like I was bringing a cutthroat in, mm. in one of the small creeks out there. It wasn't the elk. And this bull trout just came out of nowhere and tried to eat my cutthroat. And then about... I don't know, maybe 15 minutes later, I thought, okay, I'm going to fish for bull trout. So I put on a big intruder, like big black intruder and cast her out there. Sure enough, I get a bull trout on, bring him in, snap, I lose him. Story of my life is losing fish. So he snaps me off. I wasn't more than maybe 10, 15 minutes after that. 
Randy caught a bull trout. He brings him in. He's got my fly in his face. <laughs> <laughs> Same trout. <laughs> They're so aggressive, eh? <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, that, that's amazing. That's That shows you. Like, I often think, you know, if you catch a fish, when's the next time it's going to have a go at another you know, fly right? on a on a line. <laughs> you know, you would you would think it would be some time, but not not always. No, not bull trout. They're crazy. Hmm. They're almost like that. I got to fish for tiger trout this year out in Alberta too, and that was quite an experience. Those things are really ferocious, cool. and I'm going back out there next year to do it again for sure. Sounds like you got a lot of trips. You know, it sounds like you're getting out a lot. I mean, between you know some some of the courses you alluded to, taking over the winter months and time at the bench. Yeah. I mean. Sounds like you're you're pretty dialed in on uh, on the fish. Yeah, yeah, I try to keep busy. You know, yeah. I don't like to be bored, so might as well go fishing. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah, I spend a lot of time at the lower mainland lakes and stuff when I can't get up to the interior. Just learning, you know, that's where a lot of my knowledge has come from, just fishing these little local lakes around here and stuff that don't have a lot of coronamids and stuff in them. you got to mm-hmm. fish the other bugs, right? It's fun. Well, and the nice thing about that, too, is that, I mean, those are ice-free pretty pretty much year-round, are they not? Yeah, I just went fishing today, actually. So, yeah, they are pretty much almost all year. I mean, I don't fish much between December and March, but then, you know, it starts back up around mid-March. I start going out for cutties and fry. The fry, or the, yeah, the fry start happening around April. Mm -hmm. So, we generally head out around mid-March to the, to the rivers and stuff again, looking for them and stuff, so. Yeah. If somebody wants to get a hold of some of your flies, like I, I know you obviously design patterns, but are you, do you sell commercially if somebody wants something special made up? Um, it depends who it is. Like, uh, you know, and what they want it for. I, I, I'm not a commercial tire. I just, I'm not at the bench enough right now at this point in my life to be able to make that kind of commitment. Cause those guys that can tie commercially, I, I, I'm amazed. I can't do that. I can't sit there for hours and hours. Yeah. So yeah, I have done boxes of flies for people for sure. You know, if they request them, it just depends how busy I am at the time and stuff. So. Cool. So what uh, yeah. what's going on with Semperfly these days? Any new products oh. coming out we should know about? Oh, Any new so many new products. So many new materials are out. Um, I think the, I want to say the bug yarn, the dirty bug, bug yarn is hitting stores fairly yeah. soon, like with Christmas. And I think maybe the, they've got a new ice straggle that's come out. Uh, they've come out with Semper Flash, so they have every kind of flash you've ever imagined. Like they've got their own crystal flash and crinkle flash and blended flashes, and I've got a whole wall of flash <laughs> to look at. Like and like and and like all the different, like they've got Nymph Dub, which that's been out for a while, but they've got everything from squirmy, wormy, like like worm chenille, yeah. sparkle worm chenille to, I can't believe the materials they have. Really, like they've got their own rubber legs, and I'm still kind of getting to know their materials so Mm -hmm. i've had to sort of clean out some of mine and make room for the new because they've got they've got a lot of stuff and i you know i want to try it all so it's all really good really good quality i really like the dirty bug yarn and they've got new uh like a kapok dubbing and it's a dry fly dubbing and it was originally used in life jackets so this stuff apparently just floats for days and i've been using that in my soft tackles because a lot of the times i I fish a soft tackle as an emerger. I fish a lot of emergers mm-hmm. because, you know, they, they get stuck in that surface film and the trout know that and they'll key in on them, you know, quite heavily. 
So I fish the mergers a couple times a day if I'm out on, on a lake for the day or whatever. And with the Kapok dubbing, I used to add floating sometimes to my soft tackles to make them float or I'd grease my leader with it or whatever. Right. But with this dubbing, I don't, and then it would get in the legs and I never thought it would swim properly. So I'm happy about this dubbing that apparently floats because I've been putting it in the thorax of my of my uh, soft tackles. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, let's face it, that's when they're most vulnerable. It's an easy meal, isn't it? Oh, they totally are, because because it, it takes them a while, you know, to break out of their shuck or whatever they're doing mm. to get through it, right, and get through that surface film, and and trout know that, and if you see them, you know, if you see them sort of rising, sort of coming to the surface, but not coming up and grabbing something right off the surface, that's the time to fish soft tackle for sure. If if you're fishing a soft tackle as an emerger, is that for you usually on a sink tip or a floating line, or what do you? Oh, what do you? I used to just use my clear intermediate. I used to just use that line almost for everything. Um, but last, um, I think it was last year or the year before, I got a like a Type One, a hover line, mm-hmm. so it just just goes just under the surface, and that's generally I, I'll fish them on that line, unless I'm fishing like. Um, like I have an olive soft tackle that I use, and I think they take it a lot of times as a scud, and it's very tiny. I usually tie it in 14 or 16, and I caught my biggest fish ever, my biggest trout ever on that fly just this year, actually, mm-hmm. up in Prince George. And I threw it right in the weeds just like a scud and started stripping it in like a scud, and sure enough, wham. So, That's awesome. Yeah. Was that, and that was, I think that was on a clear intermediate line. Was that a rainbow or brookie? Rainbow. Rainbow. Oh. Yeah. Huh. Lackwater? Uh, Panask. <laughs> Even better. I know. Even better. <laughs> Close to 10 pounds. Man, nice that, fish. that's yeah. beautiful. That put up Filled a pretty the Moby good, net. good fight. Oh, incredible fight. I didn't think I was going to get it in. Did it leave yeah, the I really water? had an incredible, oh yeah, it jumped and yeah. yeah, it was crazy. I just lost one about a half an hour before that it broke me off and I was like, oh, and I was having a really, really tough day and um, I was there with uh, Colette and Robert, Robert Strode and my husband Randy and they were in their boat, we were in ours and they were all getting fish and everything. <laughs> I wasn't having much luck. <laughs> so Randy said, oh, just just do what you're comfortable with, which is usually throw it a soft tackle or a caddis. <laughs> So I threw out the soft tackle, and sure enough, I was into fish just like that. So good stuff. Yeah, and boatmen too. This year we got into, we got into a uh, some really nice fish in Corbett Lake and uh, a couple other lakes by Kamloops and stuff on the boatmen, which I've never really had the opportunity to fish much because I just haven't been up at the right time when they're you know on or whatever. I haven't really seen them. You got they're actually very very tiny. I didn't realize how small they were, but when I actually saw one, I was like, wow, no wonder I never seen them. They're really small. Well, when <laughs> so that was a lot of fun. It's a yeah. fall day. It's perfectly clear out, and it looks like it's raining and you're like what is going on and the next yeah boatman yeah wow do they ever smash them too we had just a couple spectacular days at corbett lake where we were died like drifting lock style in our boat we had our drogue out and the wind was just perfect so you can drift almost from one end of the lake to the other just and fish in the shallows like four or five feet of water right up to shore and stuff Mm. throwing it right on shore and catching them (laughs) it was crazy there's some nice fish in that lake Oh, yeah. It was really, really fun. First time I've been there, and I really enjoyed it. You yeah. talk about mayflies. That that lake has probably some of the most prolific mayflies I've seen anywhere. Just, oh, really? Oh. oh, that's good to know because I'm going back up there in the spring yeah. as soon as I can. Yeah. yeah. They just, uh, it looks like popcorn popping off there. It's just wow. Unbelievable. Wow. Sounds yeah. like we're fishing some of the same waters, though. That's kind of my, my neck of the yeah. woods for sure. 
Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I want to get to your area. You've got a big bass lake in your area. I'm, I've been eyeballing for a couple of years. So. Oh, yeah. Well, if you're ever up this way, if you and Randy are out, give me a shout because there's, uh, sure. there's a lot of yeah. smallmouth, some big smallmouth and, and some decent largemouth. Yeah. I find the largemouth a little tougher. They're not as prolific these days yeah. around here. They used to be, but yeah. the smallmouth have really taken over. But uh, Right on. They're yeah. Um, here's a bit of a philosophical question for you. It, is there anything you think as a group, fly fishers, we could be doing a little better? As a group. Hmm. Is there anything that kind of irks you about fly fishing or, or social media or, you know? Just, um, well, a lot, you know, a lot of the known, like the good spots, obviously people, and this is other people's gripe too. I mean, I try and if, if I'm fishing a lake or, or a chunk of river around here where it's one of my cutty spots. I'm pretty, if I take somebody with me, I make sure they don't take a picture or post on social media. Like I try and disguise my background if I can, or, you know, I don't, I don't like to post the, the popular fishing spots because like for me personally, that was part of the fun of it was going out on my own and finding the fish. And cause I'm not, a, I don't hunt, but that to me, that was kind of a form of hunting. You got to hunt for cutties. So I, it took me years to find some of those spots with Randy and stuff. So I, I wouldn't want it thrown up on the internet and just ruined. I've seen that happen at one particular spot that we actually went to a few weeks ago. And we haven't been there in probably eight years because it just got absolutely ruined by one person telling a, a few people and then they told a whole bunch of people. And then now you, there's 20 cars there when it's go season. We used to have that place to ourselves. So, Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I would say that. I mean, yeah. can't think of anything else off the top of my head. Well, that too. And, you know, even as much as some people try to hide where they are, if it's a lake that I know intimately, you almost, yeah. you almost can't hide it. it you, no, you that's true. You almost can't. That's true. But at least if they try, you yeah, know, yeah. or, you know, I think some of the, some of the fishing forums and stuff have ruined, you know, certain spots and stuff. Well, it, <laughs> and, do you know yeah. what amazes me, Deb, is how hard you used to have to work. I mean, you had to go there. You had to do it. You had to figure it out. Like you say, you put oh, in yeah. thousands of hours. Oh yeah, for sure. Somebody yeah. sees a picture. You're like, oh, I know where and, that is. I know where that is. Yeah. And somebody did that to me recently with one of my, one of our secret cutty spots and I wasn't too happy and I ended up taking it down, even though I knew he didn't even know where I was, but he, just the fact that he said he knew it was, that was enough. I just took, yeah. it, took it down. Right. And, you know, and you do, you work hard and, and even certain lakes, like we have a couple of lakes up by Kamloops, Logan Lake and stuff that, you know, we fished this, those same lakes for years and years, trying to get to know those lakes pretty intimately and every nook and cranny in those lakes and where those fish hide and stuff. And I wouldn't want to see those lakes ruined because we worked pretty hard to be able to go up there and know that we're going to have a good day most of the time. I so. think, I think too, something, you know, the longer we do this sport, the more you realize there's a lot of people doing it now. I mean, it, oh, it's growing. Isn't there? Oh, it's crazy. It's crazy. When I, I'll tell you, when I first started fly fishing, I, I had never heard of, uh, the only other woman I'd heard of in this area was Kathy Ruddick that fly yeah, fished yeah. and Joan Wolf was the other woman. I yeah. knew of. Oh, makes sense. Like there was, there was no, there wasn't a lot of, like maybe there was a lot of women with their husbands. And even for so many years, I'd go out on the lakes. I wouldn't see any other women except with their boyfriends or husbands or whatever in the boats, or maybe they had a belly boat, but they were always with their husbands. And I would never see just a woman by themselves. And it was like two years ago, I went up to like Mike Lake and there was a, another woman in a belly boat. I was just like, wow, that's 
great to see. Yeah. And now you see it online, like especially it's grown in women's fly fishing. I just cannot believe the amount of women out there that fly fish now. And, and they all look so professional because their knowledge, like the knowledge is right at their fingertips now. Whereas, you know, we yeah. had to scrape to learn that for many <laughs> years, right? So it's, it's great to see. It really it is. is. And lots of young kids and stuff getting into it too. It's it's wonderful to see. Yeah. You see little kids tying flies and stuff. And, and kids are actually wonderful at, at tying flies. They're very creative. So And, see, and you know, catching fish somehow. They and catching fish. Yeah, for, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I, know. I yeah. know. So that's great to see. It is good to see it growing for sure. Yeah, no, for sure. Well, have you got anything big coming up for 2021 on the horizon? As hopefully things kind of settle down here and we can start moving around a little bit is there uh any big trips uh, planned you want to let us know about or any uh any uh, kind of things to check off the bucket list yeah well i'm going out to do the sport fishing on the fly thing and over to the couch and river as well right so it's uh so once the i think columbia river um i was supposed to be teaching like beginner fly tying at hatch matcher this year but then covid happened mm. at hatch matcher flying tackle in maple ridge um so hopefully if you know things settle down maybe in the fall or whatever that can start up um i've been working the last little bit on uh, getting my youtube channel and my blog going so those should be up shortly <laughs> it's called fish something buggy cool and um i'm hoping to take the uh there's a Gaia instructor's certification course for fly tying I'm hoping to take. I don't think I'll do it this winter. I don't really have a whole lot of time left this winter, but right. doing that. And then um, the Osprey fly fishers have kindly asked uh, me and my husband to join, maybe consider joining them. So I'm looking at doing that in the new year and yeah. attending some of their meetings and stuff. And yeah. And for me, I really like fly tying history and a lot of like uh, a lot of historical patterns have come right out of BC from the Osprey fly fishers. So yeah. it's a real honor to be asked to, to join them. So don't they have yeah. a, I thought I saw they had a book out actually. They do. Yeah. And it's a really good book and it's got, it's got lake patterns. It's got river patterns, it's got everything in it. Yeah. It's a fantastic yeah. book and it's got write-ups about all the different flies in it too. It's not just a pattern with a recipe. Yeah. It's a really good book. I think it's, it's available around here in the lower mainland. I think it's online as well. Cool. So. Well, I got to tell you, Deb, you got me thinking about tying some soft hackles over the winter here and um, test Do driving it. them because the only <laughs> soft hackle pattern, to be quite honest, that I've ever fished is basically like an emerging caddis or a, um, a, a carry, something, you know, a, a variation of a carry. But um, looking at your patterns, I really got inspired and thought, you know, they are kind of, they're from a, another era in my mind. You know, you go back yeah, to they kind really of the, are. Yeah. the UK kind of, you know, some of those uh, spring creeks and whatnot and just, they look, yeah, they, they look buggy. They do. And, and, and they are generally, I think they're generally supposed to be fished in, you know, a stream or whatever, but I I, we took it to the a different level and started fishing. The first one we started fishing really consistently in a lake was this, my silver on silver. And, um, and I think they take it for an emerging chromie or whatever like that. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, I, I'd have days on the lake where I wasn't catching nothing and I throw that fly out and at least catch one or two fish, you know? So I gained some confidence in a soft tackle that way. And, that's, and then the olive one came and that one, you know, that one's phenomenal. And, you know, over that, I developed this zucchini one, which worked, you know, the last few years, it's been working pretty good and, and other patterns too. So, yeah. And I think, and I have a new one too, in the new Semperfly catalog, which is online and has 
over 400 fly patterns from around the world in it and recipes and videos and everything else that's available at semperfly.net. And a couple of my patterns are in there, including my new one called the Encore, which is a, it's like a caddis emerger. Mm-hmm. So it's got the dirty bug yarn in it. It's got the soft tackle. It's got the kapok dubbing in the thorax so it, and it's on a clink hammer hook. So it kind of sits upright in the surface film nice. and it's got some uh, crystal flash coming out the back to be the trailing shock. So I did really well on that last spring. So I'm hoping that sounds, just tie that in different colors and yeah. That yeah. sounds pretty fishy. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was really huh. fishy. I, that's something I've always worked on and never really perfected, and that's having that trailing shuck behind on any emerging pattern. What do you use for the material on to kind of represent the shuck? Well, you can use like Antron or something like that, and I, mm-hmm. I, I never used to really tie them on, to be honest, myself um, either. But I there was a fly tire down in the States um, that I met on Instagram, and he used a lot of crystal flash in his patterns. So that's where I got that idea from. Right. to use it in the as a trailing shock and you know, it seemed to work anyway so how much is um, that, yeah they work how much is that kind of um an inspiration behind your tying when you take just little ideas and kind of put your spin on it you know what i mean you kind of oh tons i i watch a lot i watch a lot of fly tying videos like um i'm okay at look at reading out of a book and learning like not too bad but I'm, I'm better at like a real hands-on like I took a I took a course with Deck Hogan and even though I don't tie a lot of steelhead flies he's just such a good tire and to be able to watch him up close and talk to him and have him show me you know okay I do it this way this is how many wraps I make and this is how I put this material on it made a world of difference in my tying and you know I've watched probably every Phil Rowley, Davey McPhail, Tim Camisa video out there, Charlie Craven's another one I watch all the time and Barry Ord Clark like I try not to watch somebody who has poor techniques I try to watch somebody with pretty good techniques Mm. and then just try and copy them and you know and then I and I and I'm always I'm always looking for something new because I'm I'm always looking for you know I want to tie bass flies and I want to tie pike flies and carp flies and you know all different flies so I'm always checking out different people's you know social media to see what they're tying and and I save a lot of their photos yeah me too yeah my phone my phone (laughs) my memory is just it's it's getting bogged down with pictures of flies for sure. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I, me too. I, I I just I screenshot anything that kind of looks a little different. I go, whoa, that's kind of cool. Boom. Yeah, and in, then in the folder it goes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, good stuff. Yeah. Well, Deb, I really appreciate you taking the time chatting with us tonight. I've really oh. enjoyed it, and uh, keep up. Yeah, no worries. Keep Thanks up. for having me. Yeah, anytime. We got to do this again, and. So keep yeah, up anytime you work. want a like a soft tackle one-on-one demo, you let me know, and I'll so, show you some of my secret patterns. Awesome. <laughs> We've been chatting today with Deb Pascal. Deb is with Semperfly Fly Tying Materials Pro Team. Amazing fly tire. Check out her patterns. The Fly Fishing ninety seven podcast is brought to you by theflycrate.com. Thank you for listening to the Fly Fishing ninety seven podcast. Your feedback matters. Let us know if there's a person or topic you'd like discussed. Email us at mark at flyfishing97.com. Until next time, tight lines and we'll see you on the water.